Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Today, my name is Terry Fletcher. So today might be a little bit shorter uh, than usual. I usually try to make it 20 to 30 minutes. But today, I'm going to be talking about some breaking news Of course, whenever I do that, it never seems like it's good news, is it? So we've got some things that have come up on the pike, and I just want to make sure that you're aware of them because they're going to affect you and impact you from a reimbursement perspective. So a couple of things, I'm just going to start right into it. And this affects the modifier 25, and I'm pretty annoyed with it. So a couple of years ago, let me just give you a a premise on this. A couple of years ago, United Healthcare came out and said, if you bill for an office visit with a 25 modifier and a minor procedure, we're going to automatically cut the office visit by 50%. And there was a lot of pushback on that. And so they said, okay, 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 we're not going to do it. They also did it in California, where I'm based, uh, with Blue Cross Blue Shield. And then they also got pushback, mostly from the California Medical Association. And they said, okay, okay, we won't do it right now, but we are going to do it in the future. Well, that future kind of came and went, and we never really saw it materialize, even though I do see the reimbursement reduction on some United Healthcare plans where I feel like they, I don't want to say they secretly put it in because that's the wrong message, but let's just say that if they did alert their um, subscribers or even alert their providers, then they must have done it through a website alert and not through a specific direct mail so or email because everybody all of a sudden said, hey, we're starting to see some reimbursement issues. And then here's the bad thing is that some practices aren't monitoring this. So they're just thinking their overall reimbursement is going down without actually looking at what's happening contract to contract. So here's what I want you to look at, especially if you are on the East Coast, because it's going to affect you quite a bit. So the first thing, and this is actually the the nationwide one. So effective August 13th, Cigna will require the the submission of documentation to support the use of modifier 25 when billed with any E&M office visit code 99212 to 215 or a new patient visit. And if you bill it with a minor procedure. So when the 25 modifier is used, the minor procedure. Now I know why they're doing this, okay? Because many patients are what we call scheduled for a procedure, an injection, something minor when they come into the office, maybe a lesion removal, a mole removal, or something to that effect. And then there's an ENM build with it, which is incorrect unless the evaluation and management service was completely unrelated or is for an unanticipated problem. So I understand why they're doing it. Unfortunately, this is going to be very burdensome for those of you that submit claims because now you're going to have to have an electronic attachment. So they are going to require the submission of medical records with all ENM services, 99212 to 99215, and then they said upon discretion on 99202 to 99205, but for all established patient visits when you use the modifier 25 and you also bill a minor procedure on the same date. So that's become effective nationwide on August 13th. They also go on to say failure to submit the required medical records will result in a denial of the ENM service and that you're going to have a really hard time appealing because they've already told you that's what's happening. 
Now, I know the California Medical Association, te uh, Texas Medical Association, and I think uh, one of the associations in the Illinois area, they're also basically saying, you know, this we have serious concerns on this because this will result in significant unnecessary administrative burden and cost to practices to comply. And this will be a disincentive for physicians to provide unscheduled services um, for patients. And so this is where it's going to be just really inconsistent. The next one, and this is going to be a mess. Okay. So Horizon Medical, okay, which also covers Horizon fully insured commercial plans, Horizon Medi Medicare Advantage plans, Braven Health, and Administrative Services Only Group, which are self-insured employers out of New Jersey. So this is New Jersey, New York, Maine, Massachusetts, and basically the New, New England area. Beginning August 1st, they said, we will consider E&M services appended with the modifier 25 at 50% of our appropriate Horizon allowance, or at the provider's submitted charges if less, of course, if less, if one or more procedure codes that have a global surgical period of 0, 10, or 90 days are included on the same claim or on another claim for the same date of service. So again, this starts on August 1st. So here's my problem with this. First of all, at a time when the incentives are to get primary care physicians to perform minor procedures that are more often than not done in, you know, in an, an adjunct with a separate E&M service, now the insurers are saying, we're going to underpay you when you do that. Even specialists are having this issue. This is going to affect general surgery and dermatology and gastro, I imagine. Um, it's possibly some of the, um, the I don't want to say minor specialties, but specialties who, who participate in minor uh, procedures. Because why are they doing this? I mean, there's they're offering to underpay when there's no reduction in the RVU skills or work required. There's no reduction in work RVU. The overhead and malpractice RVUs remain unchanged. So if the PCP can provide the service, they would need to inconvenience the patient with another visit. And many physicians may turf this out to a general surgeon or derm if they are primary care. They may just say you need to see your specialist to avoid the inconvenience. Or here's what I'm, I can see happening. They may just say you have to be seen on another day so that now they're going to have two encounters. And that, you know, with gas prices, oh my gosh, patients are just going to be so excited about that. And let's face it, we're still in a public health emergency and we're trying to slow or stop the spread of COVID. So the older compromised patients who are going to the doctor's offices because you can't <laughs> have a mole removed um, or a skin tag removed or a suspicious lesion, lesion removed via telehealth. I mean, there are certain limitations. This is going to, to be a problem because now they're being exposed even further. So we are definitely writing letters to our associations, trying to get, you know, to MGMA, trying to really get them to um, be a voice. And I think they will. But for right now, be aware of these effective dates because they're coming up in just a few weeks. And this just, if you can't tell, this makes me really mad. <laughs> so I just don't like it when providers' practices are being taken advantage of all in the, the name of, oh, we're doing this because um, we, you know, the OIG had said that they found some problems with this. Well, I understand that. So spot check, do what the OIG does, D OIG does, and what HHS does, what Medicare does, spot check. They do audits all the time if they see a trend. Absolutely. But if, but to do this as a blanket policy, 
especially without you having any kind of input on a policy that you already signed or a contract you already signed. Now this is probably going to extend to other payers. If they think one payer can get away with it, like Cigna, then they're going to try to do it with other payers. So this is, this bugs me. But anyway, you need to be made aware of it. The other thing I wanted to give you is that June 1st, uh, the AMA put out their CPT errata and technical corrections for 2022. So let me kind of give you a rundown of a couple of those. So if you are someone in the cardiology uh, specialty who uh, reports um, ablations, so those are codes that are the 93653, 93654, 936, um, up to 93656 codes, and then we have add-on codes in between, there are some there are some um, limitations and things that they have added. So basically they added some things that reflect the uh, specific codes that would be add-on to the diagnostic in those services. So make sure you're taking a look at that. Um, the left heart catheterization, now this one was weird. They revised the spelling of catheterization for the code 93452 which made no sense to me because it wasn't misspelled. So I'm not sure why they revised it. I think they put it as a capital and C instead of a small C, but I looked at it 20 times and I'm like, where is it not spelled correctly? So know that that's there. There are some updates um, to the surgery for uh, spine where they've, they've added some things and taken out some things because they were really duplication. So they, you know, added interspace and added a semicolon uh, for certain code descriptors. Um, and then some things are commas instead of semicolons, meaning that you can code them together. So make sure that you're looking at the code range from 22630 to 63020 to 63044. And then Spine got quite a few uh, updates when it came to in that code section. Um, when it came to uh, the errata. So did the nervous system, so peripheral nerves, um, autonomic nervous system, 64490, which is the injection codes for the paraphrasebal facet. So they took out a parenthetical um, item that said, do not report 64992 more than once per day. Well, they're leaving that now to the MUEs, so the medically unlikely edits, and they're not putting that in there as far as frequency, which they, they really shouldn't. That should be part of a policy on frequency, not part of CPT. And then the Path and Lab got some um, relocated relocation of their parenthetical notes, so make sure you take a look at that. Uh, some things in the T-code section. Also, they added some things in, again, going back to the uh, cardiology, they forgot to put in the word congenital and some of the congenital, I'm not laughing because it's, that's funny, I'm laughing because when you have brand new codes for congenital heart defects, CHD, why wouldn't you update that as far as that word? So I'm just like, seriously? So anyway, they did update that service. Um, and EP procedures also got an update on certain services, and this is a big one. So the intercardiac echo, the add-on code 93662, says you cannot add that with a pulmonary vein isolation 93656 uh, ablation code. Well, now it says that you can. So they took it out as where it says using conjunction with. Um, now they took that out where you, can, you can't use a certain code with that. So they removed that code there. Um, and which is appropriate because it includes certain services. Behavioral assessment and interventions, um, they put out codes that said what you cannot 
um, code with that or not to report in conjunction with. And the reason they put that out there is because uh, they put in some T codes that you could not code with some of the CPT category one codes. So you want to make sure that that's available there. Um, they also have the old codes for the cardiac congenital uh, defect code. So they still had the 93536 and 537 code instead of changing it to the new codes of 93596 and 93597, which is definitely a problem if you haven't updated your system. And then, um, and that's that's kind of it. I mean, to make sure you Google it and just say, pull, pull up um, the CPT errata 2022 June, and that'll come up for you. So if you're a coding quarter member of mine, just know I will be sending this out to you. Same thing with some of the transmittals that came through. Yeah, if you want to be a coding quarter member, again, go to my website, terryfletcher.net, and you get to hear about it on my podcast, but you actually get the authoritative um, pu published guidance uh, from me if you are a member. So we, we make sure that we make that available to you. Also, the 2023, and remember ICD-10 is on a fiscal year, so the ICD-10 CM 2023 um, code file and coding guidelines uh, came out and were published uh, for you to take a look, and they start on October 1st, so and then go through September of 2023. But they have a fiscal year on that, but you can actually also Google that, and that is uh, cms.gov forward slash medicare forward slash icd-10 forward slash 2023. So make sure that you're taking a look at that because that's going to impact you impact you as well. When I start to research my ICD-10 CM codes for the net for the following year, especially because they come they become effective um, in um, October. Gosh, I'm tongue tied today. I tried to download them and then when the doctors and a lot of my um, clients go on vacation now, when they go on vacation, that's when I start doing reading. So if you can get, if you can kind of get into that groove too, so you know I'm going to give myself some time to just get my reading done and my updates done, that's always a good time to, to take a look at that. Okay, so my coding question today was uh, is actually kind of interesting. We had a couple of um, coding questions that came from office-based labs and somebody had said well we're getting some having some problems with um, some Medicare saying from their payment integrity um, letter saying that we are not including our medicine that we're supposed to be using uh, when we pro provide uh, aerotography or angiography services and at first I'm like, well, the physician doesn't do that. But then I was like, wait, 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 you're office-based lab. So you're actually coding as either a place of service 11 or your OBL place of service. So if you are providing any kind of substance and you're administering that um, and you are billing the global, okay, CPT assistant also has this guideline. This is just as the substance being administered is not included in the therapeutic or diagnostic infusion codes, the same is true for the therapeutic injection codes. So the substance that is being administered should be reported with code 99070 or the appropriate HixPix level two code. So you have to do this if you are billing for uh, global services on, basically you're saying that you're billing for the facility and the um, Part B service and the professional service. If you are not, so let's say you're providing this, uh, let's say an angiography in the hospital setting of the lower extremities for a patient, then you would not have to bill the med, the hospital would. So yes, you do have to report that. And I think sometimes uh, when practices are opening up these office-based labs and these um, 
ambulatory surgery centers, you forget that you have to follow the rules for facilities as well because you're getting paid so much more. So it's it's really important to, to know your rules when reporting them for those services. Okay, everyone, that's it for me today. I know it was a little bit shorter today, but hopefully uh, you, you're going to have a good or you had a good uh, Father's Day weekend and everyone make it a great day and a great rest of your week. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma, music producer Assassin Music.